Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody, and we welcome you to the front row. It's the middle of the week, your favorite time, at least our favorite time. Keith, how are you? Well, uh, until last night, I was real good, and then after last night, I got sad all over again. What happened? Baseball. Oh, baseball was sad. I was broadcasting that game, and, you know, if it was City League softball or or college softball where you only played seven innings, things were pretty good. Florida State would be uh, 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 would be perfect and, and, and not lost a game all year if it was only eight innings or something. You, you just demonstrated human nature because this is the same week that Mike Martin won his 1900th game. Two days later, Florida State blew a lead in the ninth. Happy, we for, could, we happy could, for 11. We could have started, you asked me how I was. We could have started either way on that conversation. No, I'm not blaming you. This, this truly is human nature. It's like the basketball team. No, basketball it's team. what's happened lately. Yeah, but it's not always what's because if what's happened lately is what we want to discuss, then everybody feels great about the basketball team, and we're going to the Final Four again. Except but, the, the it, baseball team played after the basketball team. The baseball team is two and two, and I don't have concerns for them. I do not either. They are going to be able to hit the ball, but none of the players who can hit the ball are really hitting it right now. It's not totally true. Taylor Walls oh, and Jackson Luke are hitting. So they're, okay. they've hit a free throw shooting wall early. The guys who can swing it aren't swinging it. Now, that said, all the veteran pitchers that they were counting on in relief yesterday could not throw strikes, and that's how USF rallied. But we don't need to belabor that point by talking about a midweek game. Well, we'll just opening uh, week of the we'll college just, baseball we'll season. We'll just say how happy we are with Andrew Carp and his seven innings. I will say now that if you go bigger picture on it, I thought Carp was tremendous yesterday. Tremendous enough that if he now it's a one game sample size. But if he's going to pitch like that and throw 94-95 and command three, Ooh. even four pitches, because he's got a four-pitch arsenal, uh, he's got a chance to be in the weekend rotation. He's got a chance to really help you come uh, April, May, conference postseason tournaments and all that. I mean, that was impressive. Very. So uh, that would be the bright spot right now for Florida State. They've got a starting rotation that is literally four deep. Two of the guys throw in the mid-90s, and that's different than what Florida State's had of late. All that long, said, the record's 2-2. Long, two and two and long, are, long season. Long, people long are uh, season. abandoning ship. I do think, you started on baseball, so we're going to go here. I know you want to jump in. So uh, our sideline announcer on the ACC Network Extra broadcast uh, last night, who's a student named Savannah, and she's great, and I, w- I wish her well. She's graduating this year. She'll probably do great things. She did a sideline hit about Mike Martin's 1,900 wins, and Chip Baker and I both looked at each other dumbfounded because we thought the math couldn't be right on this. She said it would take a coach starting today 34 perfect seasons perfect to get to 1,900 wins. Now, that's not accounting for postseason, but you get 56 games in college baseball. And so we did the math, and it equals 1,904. So that really speaks more than anything else I think we could say to just how significant 1,900 wins is for Mike Martin. So kudos to Savannah and, and to 11 for that figure. And, and obviously you would have some postseason in there if you're winning you, that you many would. games. But but the point is but well, well even taken. Even if you played 65 well games a year counting your conference tournament NCAAs and you went to the World Series every and year. And you won 80% of them. It's still, still got a coach. 30 years, for, yeah. 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 So, wow. I mean, it's impressive. All right. Um, Basketball's better. Basketball's better. Basketball's better. But, well, first of all, let's, let's give the BC game its due. Because BC has not won many games. Everybody beats them. Nobody beats them like a drum, though. And that was <laughs> that was the NBA All-Star game one night later the other night. I mean, uh, everybody but you and I had a dunk in the game, basically. And, and they probably would have thrown it to us if they thought we could elevate. No, I mean, <laughs> it, I don't know how to explain the difference between home and away. Yes, it's tough to win on the road in the ACC. I will grant you that. Uh, but the we we've talked about this for a few weeks now. The the lack of excitement, the lack of energy, the lack of buzz, the lack but here's, of emotion. Here's the quick takeaway: it's all as you as our listeners have heard me say. It's all above the shoulders. That is immediately correctable. Immediately correctable, and 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 that's the positive thing to me. And and all you've got to do is go back and look at our defense last year. It was immediately correctable. And, and I'm hoping, 
I'm optimistic. I'm back on the good side that when you get to neutral site games, not true away games, but neutral site games, which begin with the ACC tournament in in uh, the Barclays Center, maybe you still keep that number three seed. They're still on that borderline. You get to Orlando. Those are not away games. Those are neutral site games. We will see. I, I do agree that neutral site, obviously, it's not the same as road, so I'm not as concerned there. Uh, and in terms of the ACC tournament, you truly do have a neutral site instead of the neutral site that is Greensboro, North Carolina, <laughs> where the tournament is normally played. This year, we're going to be in Brooklyn. Exactly. I'm excited about that. What do you call it? Immediately fixable? Yes. I mean, I see. Here's where I the would, only thing that changes. You control your effort. I agree. Nothing else affects your effort. Here's where I would you do- are the only one that controls your effort. You sound like Jimbo. Control what you can control. Here's where I disagree. I think it is immediately point outable by the coaching staff point outable but it's up to the players kathy will send you an email on that one it's up to the players to figure out if they want to fix it because i'm quite sure that between the georgia tech and syracuse game it got pointed out by the coaching staff and then we saw the first half of the syracuse game do not disagree and i'm pretty sure in that week between notre dame and Pitt, it got pointed out every day and then the game happened and it was not fixed well i'm gonna get a new t-shirt out then They've got one that says point outable. Point outable. That's what the new T-shirt's going to say. <laughs> I, I do hope it's going to be fixed. The uh, I don't have great optimism. I, I this is this is kind of weird as we sit here, but I almost feel better about the Duke game than the Clemson road game because I do feel like they'll be ready to play and will bring energy at Duke. And I feel like Clemson's going to be embarrassed by what happened. They should be. Well, they're here. not happy. Well, and they're not and, happy with what happened last night either. And, and they play everybody well. Yeah. Like, like yeah. they don't lose by 30 and 40 points. Yeah. FSU beat them by that. Maybe we'll, maybe the kids will just be excitable to be in. And in, in, it'll be point outable on the trip up. I'll point it out to them. I'll be Mr. Point Outable that they're playing in a brand new arena in Little John. Uh, the newly renovated Little John. You know, they... They adjusted the court there too, didn't they? Just a little, just a Instead little. Instead of going north south, it goes like east west correct. now something or like something. Yeah. yeah, well, you'll know. You can report back on it when you. I won't be able to tell when I get in there because I won't remember what it looked like last time. And their fans probably don't know. They're too busy looking at at Clemson Memorial Stadium, thinking about Deshaun Watson and national titles. But we do have number one, a number one rated team in the country residing in Tallahassee. Yeah, we do. For the first time in program history, the softball Seminoles exactly. are number one. We'll talk with uh, our Seminoles dot com insider Tim Linnefelt. Uh, about that coming up they're off to a great start at 10 and 0 really things are are pretty good stan wilcox uh pointed out at the university board of trustees meeting this morning that as that right now florida state i think is 16th in the director's cup which measures comprehensive excellence and that's actually down from where they finished they they've finished several years in a row in the top 15 but what that hasn't taken into account yet is all the sports that are playing and 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 to be frank, men's basketball has not contributed a lot of points towards that total, but they have an opportunity to do so this year when you factor the final in. thing is in June. Is that when they do? The yeah, final once one? once the college baseball right. World Series is over, they kind of tally it every month or two, and uh, it's one of those things where you get you get to count twenty sports. So Stanford wins it every year because they play thirty five, and you can throw out your worst 15, fifteen sports. Although you have to have ten men and ten women, right? Right. Florida State uh, competes in 20 or whatever. Oh, do we have 20 now? Uh, with beach volleyball, with beach volleyball So they count everything, but you don't get to discard the lowest score. We're really getting into the how the sausage is made on that. The bottom, the bigger picture is it's been a... I'm getting excited. I may take up golf again it, it with is, what's going to go on at the Seminole Golf Course. Is, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. It is very point-outable that it's been a good athletics year again for Florida State. I'm also going to point out that uh, our good friends at Centrale have a Tallahassee wine mixer coming up. and this, what? A wine mixer, so they're going to shut down. Madison. I thought you 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 mix wine. I'm not sure what they're using as the mixer for. Okay. That, that is a valid question. Uh, I'm I'm assuming nothing. Um, I'm assuming you, you know a, a fat glass if it's a red, and you know a taller glass if if it's not. Right? Is that the, well, the proper little wine ones, etiquette? Little, little ones for port. Will you let me finish giving a big thanks to our fine folks at Centrale, or do you just want to completely stomp on the grapes right now? In this Can session? I do that? So anyway, the wine mixer is March twenty fifth, four to eight, and and here's the question, and and we need to ask Matt Thompson this because they're going to have uh, they're basically shutting down Madison Street, and they're going to put, for lack of a better term, uh, carnival games, wine carnival games out there. So 
Uh, they'll have, you know, wine and food pairing. They'll have wine pong instead of beer pong. They'll have uh, a grape stomping. But the one that's got me. I just me, asked that. You didn't answer. The, the one that's got me is they're going to have a wine dunk tank. Huh? And I'm just, I'm just going to suggest that if they're actually filling a dunk tank with wine, our sponsorship dollars are probably in jeopardy here going forward because that's a lot of wine. That's a lot of wine. That's a lot of wine. So I, I don't know how that they're can't doing. be. It can't really be wine in there. I would agree. Maybe you're holding a glass of wine while you sit on that thing before someone There's gotta throws. There's got to be. Somebody, we should go see. Somebody can do the math on it. How many bottles of wine would it take to fill a dunk tank? How many? And then wine? you can multiply by, uh, you know, the expense of said bottle of wine. Anyway. Two buck chuck. Point is, March 25th, put it on your calendar. Uh, it's wow. going to be right at uh, Centrale. Uh, they'll have the mozzarella making class again, uh, which I still haven't attended. But it continues. can't do? No. No. Well, well, we do need to pin them down to answer the question on how you're doing the wine dunk tank. But I can stomp grapes, you said? You can. You Yee, can. Doggies. Seminoles.com uh, insider Tim Linnefelt, uh is going to probably have to change his walk-up music again because the Rolling Stones flamed out with that effort at Pitt. But uh, we'll discuss that with him when we continue right here on the front row. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. We have changed his walk-up music yet again. We're just going to own up to this is what it is. We're on the road again this weekend. Men's team going to Clemson as we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt. Via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, uh, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm feeling great, Tom. How are you? Good. I mean, we uh, we had to throw out the Rolling Stones after what happened at Pitt last week, and now we've gone to Willie Nelson. I mean, I, I we didn't even we didn't ask for your input this time because you sort of hit a, a bad stretch. So we're just choosing the music now. Is that all right? I think that's fair. Then, then at that point, it'll be your fault. You'll be responsible for whatever. No, no, oh no, doesn't but, work that way, brother. Here's the thing: if they do reel off, say. Uh, what do you got? got three regular season, three in the tournament, six in the other tournament. So 12. They, if they reel off 12 more wins in a row, we're going to have to listen to a lot of Willie Nelson. But, you know, so be it. That That's that's the least we could do. If that's Whatever what guarantees 12 more wins, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. All right, Tim, at this point in the show, we still have like 45 minutes or so. So I'm going to pose the question to you. What's up with Dwayne Bacon? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I do think that, that him coming out and playing better – on uh, on Monday against Boston College is certainly a, a good thing or a positive step. But the the pit game, it, it was strange. You know, you the, the things that you don't notice them until you do, uh, if that makes any sense. And you know, you, you sort of look in a few minutes left in the first half. I, I was looking. I, I don't think he scored. And then I looked at the you know the handy stat sheet there that they uh, that they have on the computer. And he hasn't even taken a shot. And then you're saying, well, that's that's really odd. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, you're thinking, no, okay, that's, that's unusual, but whatever, it's basketball, weird things happen sometimes. But then it just sort of uh, moved further and further into a, you know, a strange and, and unexpected thing, one, that he wouldn't score at all, and two, that he would only score uh, or only, only take four shots. It just, it just felt weird, and, and everybody downplayed it after the game, uh, including the, the pit guys. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it was just a, a, a strange circumstance, and I don't know uh, if there's anything to it other than, than you know, an, an off night, but it just it, it definitely looked off and, I know, you know, Leonard Hamilton said on uh, on Monday that, that Dwayne Bacon, you know, wasn't the uh, wasn't the reason that that they lost to Pittsburgh, and that's that's true, I think, to an extent. But you know, you look at the final score of that game, and you look at Dwayne Bacon's season average, and say, well, mathematically speaking, if he scores his season average, Florida State wins that game. So uh, I understand it's more complicated than that for sure. But uh, you know, there you have it. So uh, it's it's a, it's an odd thing, and and you know, he's had some some. Well, I guess you could probably fairly describe as cold stretches sort of throughout the season. And, uh, and and you sort of were able to look over them because often Florida State was winning, uh, but but yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's it's an odd thing to happen and, and not a, exactly an ideal time uh, for it to happen. So you know, you go to Clemson on Saturday, and, and certainly all, all eyes will be on because if Florida State's going to have the type of season that I think that you know we, we think that they're still capable of, uh, they're going to need their best player, uh, you know, to be contributing at the level that we've kind of grown accustomed to. The thing that struck me, and I didn't really appreciate it or didn't process it, though, until after the game, much like you, Tim, is that Leonard sat him the last 10 or 12 minutes of the ball game. 
That's right. And, and again, I, I thought that was, uh, you know, uh, certainly noticeable when, when once Florida State, I thought once that they got it to single digits, uh, even before the deficit was cut to two, I thought that he would come back in. And exactly. Once they got it down to two. Exactly. Even if he's got a cold in. night, you know, he can get hot real quick. Right. Maybe, maybe maybe he can snap out of it. But then I guess the other side of it is, you know, we if you say the, the lineup that we're using uh, and the rotation that we're using has got us this far, why shake things up? So, I, I mean, I guess I see both sides, but, uh, but I'm with you, Keith. I was surprised that we didn't see him down the stretch in the second half. So let's move it forward. I mean, do we feel any more optimistic about how they're going to play on the road at Clemson or at Duke? I don't know how you could say. Uh, at, at this point, I, it, we were kind of to the point where you have to kind of go out and show it. Um, the, the, that, that pit team, I do think, is better than its record indicates and i thought that they played well and and that keith you can speak to this was a was a pretty fired up arena and that's that can be a difficult place to play when everybody's into it uh and they were on that day everybody the talk after the game i don't know if you guys saw the post game everybody in the pit media and, and the, the pit roster or the pit locker room wanted to talk about the throwback uniforms people were fired up for the throwback uniforms and there are people out there literally uh that they were saying that you know what asking uh, kevin stallings what effect do you think the throwback uniforms had on the game and now they're you know so Obviously, I think that tends to be kind of nonsense, but, uh, but but people were really fired up for that game for that reason, I think, and then having a top 25 opponent in there also sort of helped. The, the, only, uh, other, the only other explanation I have to cut you off, the only other explanation I have is that this is still a young team, and young teams don't appreciate what it takes to win on the road, and in games in which you're favored, i.e. Georgia Tech and Syracuse and Pitt, you know, they're, they're games you're supposed to win, so therefore you don't get as focused and, and get as well prepared as maybe you should. Maybe that's an explanation, and maybe they're getting a little smarter, a little more mature as they go along, because if they come out that way against Duke, Duke will beat Florida State by 48. Uh, and forget, you know, that'll be after a, a Clemson loss because they didn't show up as well, and then we'll all be talking about the same thing all over again. I think you're right to a degree, or I think you would have been right a month ago. But at this point, I don't know that you can you can chalk that up. It's not like this team doesn't have a big enough sample size to show itself what can happen if it doesn't prepare the right way and doesn't come out with the same intensity. We we've seen it time and again now. Uh, you know, between Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, uh, and you know, th- those are all games that that were winnable. And I think we would all agree that if they were played in Tallahassee, Florida State probably wins those games comfortably. Uh, so it's not like they need a lesson in what can happen. Uh, and you know, my my question now is is you know why why are they why are they continue to struggle? It's, it's certainly not a talent issue, uh, but but you know you're right. There's something that goes on. I mean, you you can watch it. You know, when you're in the arena, you can see that there's just something that takes place at home that is not there uh, when um, when they're on the road. And, and and I don't know the answer. Yeah, I told Keith in our first segment. I actually feel more optimistic about the Duke game than the Clemson game, just because I feel because it's Duke. I've exactly. got better confidence they're going to be ready to play against Duke, which. Uh, that seems bizarre to say that. Uh, it is worth pointing out, and I know we sort of always qualify that it's tough to win on the road in the ACC. I'm looking at Joey Brackett's uh, latest projections, and his first four out, Clemson is in the first four out. Now, Clemson has four wins in the ACC, right? They're in the first four out. Uh, Pittsburgh is in the next four out. So uh, uh, that is to say, I mean, when you look at the projections, there's 10 or 11 so ACC the, teams in and two, two or three on the bubble. Point you're saying is we are losing to tournament teams at their home court or or borderline tournament right. teams, which we when you talk which about that sounds a little better. But when the schedule's coming up, you look at it and say, oh, they're at the bottom of the league. Well, the bottom of the league's still pretty good, right. which I guess we've hammered that point home. All right, it is, and, it, and just to make one more point. I mean, you know, it it, it kind of makes it sound like Coach Speak and, and Leonard Hamilton more than anybody else has, has hammered just how difficult the ACC is, and, and you say it to a point where you kind of you know. It, in your ears, it becomes trite, but it's it's the truth. I mean, it's a, it's a hard, hard league. But the fact of the matter is, Florida State beat Clemson, you know, by 48 points, uh, not even a month ago, earlier this month. I understand at Clemson's a difficult place to play, but I don't know that it should be worth 48 points. We know what Florida State is capable of. Um, they need to come out and win this game. Yeah, and just to finish this, now that I digest this, Wake Forest is also in the first four out too. So Lenardi has 10 ACC teams in. Clemson and Wake Forest between 69 and 72, and Pitt between 73 and 76. So that's everybody in the league except NC State and BC is in the top 76 teams. By the way, who did NC State beat the other night? Uh, Who did they beat? I just – It doesn't matter. They won. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, they did have a significant win. Exactly. Yeah, I I can't remember. Well, Tim – being the pessimistic guys that we are, uh, we're we're not going to go to the softball news, which is very good. We're instead going to go uh, to baseball and wonder if we should abandon ship since the Knolls are two and two right now. Uh, you know, let's hold on a little bit longer. Uh, I'm being you know, facetious look, there. 
I know, I know, I know. Uh, you know, and, and I'll say, let, let me qualify and say that I, I haven't been able to, to see uh, much baseball because I was out of town uh, with, with basketball in Pittsburgh and stayed up there a couple days uh, to, to visit some family. But, uh, but you know, I did follow it. And, like, if, if, if you're looking for a, a silver lining over, over what's been, I, you know, I wouldn't call it, certainly not call it a bad week, but, you know, the uh, anytime you, you only are held to one hit in two out of four games, it makes you take notice, but you know, if I, I would look at it and say that the pitching thus far, especially the starting pitching, has been really, really good. Uh, and what you saw out of Andrew Carp yesterday, uh, to me, that's that's a bigger positive than losing the game is negative. If he can keep that up and, and be a reliable number four guy, or, or maybe even something in, in a different role uh, that they decide to, to he could be better suited for, uh, that's a really positive positive development uh, because that's a guy you know we we knew what we expected out of the, the three weekend guys, but beyond that. Uh, it, it seemed a little more up in the air, and then having that potentially solidified, you know, really within the season's first weekend is is a really good development. Yeah, I would agree with that because the bats are going to come around, and Carp did look really good last night. Knowles uh, back home this weekend. Their first road game, I guess, is next Tuesday against JU, but they've actually got three more consecutive weekends of home games, uh, culminating with BC, which obviously is the opening of the uh, ACC season. Softball is number one in the country for the first time ever. Uh, in these polls back in the in the uh, pre-NCAA days I guess it was AIAW maybe they won two slow pitch national championships but that's that's quite an accomplishment for them to to be out of the gates 10 and 0 and be number one in the land right now and to do it so quickly as well I mean obviously this team came in with really high expectations and you could sort of feel like it's been building to this for the last several years with Florida State racking up ACC titles making deeper and deeper runs into the postseason and the women's college world series and and, uh, you know, finally last year getting you know, within extra innings of making it to the championship round of the Women's College World Series. Uh, it feels like everything is sort of a natural progression to this point. Uh, and, you know, the fact that Florida State is able to keep winning some, uh, some of the top programs. I say, I say the programs ahead of them. There weren't many programs ahead of them uh, were, uh, were hit with some early season losses. And now it just kind of makes sense uh, when you look across the landscape what Florida State's been able to do. And, and not only the, the start that they have, but the, the preseason expectations to go with it and the roster that they have. Uh, between uh, you know their their hitters are fantastic, their pitching is fantastic. You know they had the uh, the you know, the ACC pitcher of the year and player of the year, uh, and to go along with the experience across the board, I, I think there's a pretty clear argument uh, to make that this is the best team in the country. And you know, given the way they started, the way some other teams started, I, I don't know that there's a, a I'd say I don't know there's an arguable or a reasonable argument against it. I don't even know why you would make one. Uh, it, it seems pretty cut and dry to me at this point. The, the term you're looking for is point outable. <laughs> there you go. I like that. See, he's with me. <laughs> I I dropped that in the first segment, and Keith looked at me like I had three heads. I'm well aware it's not a word. Doesn't mean I didn't want to use it. Understood. Tim, what else do we need to discuss in uh, the world of FSU athletics right now? Uh, you know, Keith. One thing to keep in mind, though, senior night for the women's basketball team Thursday night uh, at the Tucker Center, They're playing Pitt, and uh, it's your last chance to see some of the the seniors who have meant an awful lot uh, for this program, including uh, Brittany Brown, Leticia Romero, some of the players who have really been a part of a, a magnificent run over the last couple of years. Uh, the winning a senior class in program history, and then of course, like they always like to say, and I'm sure they will, uh, you know, senior senior night is, is significant. But when you uh, when you have the type of aspirations Florida State has, uh, they uh, they still have a lot more to go. So, uh, but still should be a, a fun atmosphere there to uh, to send them off in their final uh, final home game. Well, and to your point, it's it's sort of a uh, uh, it's almost a false senior night because the women are are going to host the first That's and true. second round of the NCAA like like baseball often does. Although you don't knew, you don't know that at this point in time, so they got to treat it that way. But but Shaquilla Thomas, uh, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners may not follow women's basketball closely, but she's one of the best players to ever play here, uh, and she's a candidate this year for ACC Player of the Year. Uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, she's that good a player, and she suffered what appeared to be a pretty significant injury last week. Do we have any update on a time frame for her and if she's going to be available as they get into the postseason? I, I, I don't have anything on a time frame. All I know is that I've heard that it is not expected to be season ending. So, uh, so my guess is that you know they're hoping to rest her as, as much as possible um, and maybe get her back if, for the ACC tournament, if, if not a little bit beyond that in the NCAA tournament. Because well, that's good you know, news. You, you, that's you'd like good to impro- you'd like to improve your your seating, obviously, but but knowing that you have the important things sort of locked up, you want to give her as much time to uh, to rest as possible. That's that's. But to agree, that's that's my speculation. But I have heard that they uh, that they do not expect that to be a season. Well, that's good news. I mean, to put that in men's context, that'd be like if we were waiting right now to see if Bacon or Isaac were going to be available the rest of the year. Well, not only that, to bring you back, it was just ten years ago when Tony Douglas suffered a broken bone in his hand, and Florida State went on a four-game skid on the men's side because of injury, 
and uh, didn't make the tournament or, or was really handicapped in making the tournament. So injuries can play a, play, a, play a part. You're talking about the year that he should have been uh, ACC Player of the Year, or maybe that was the next year. But have you seen, Tim? I know you were ready to go. We, we kind of teased you there. You were all set to hang up the phone, and now we're just going to keep <laughs> the conversation going. They've, my mom. they've changed the voting for the ACC uh, all-basketball squads, and, and the league, the teams voted unanimously to take it out of the media's hands because of the perceived bias that all the Carolinas... Oh, there, there was no perceived bias I'm, because of the North Carolina I'm reading, bias. I'm reading the press release version. So now <laughs> the way that the team is going to be determined is it's the coach, a radio guy, and two media members that cover each program times 15 programs, will get to vote for the players of the year and the all-conference squad, and we're going to get a much more equitable look at uh, this team. It's going to be interesting. By the way, I haven't been asked. So Gene probably gets I, I, I haven't talked to him, Tim, but I haven't Tim, been asked. Tim, are you one of the voters? Uh, they haven't asked me yet, so I would assume, and no, maybe maybe my invitation got lost in the mail. The one thing I'll say for that, as far as the, the perceived bias, is just I think you also have, uh, when it comes to the media members voting on those things, a lot more representation uh, in the North Carolina area than you do, uh, you know, as you fan out further toward Florida or north up toward New York and Boston. There's just a lot more people who cover the Carolina schools voting on those things. Uh, and, and maybe if, if it were a little more equitable, uh, that wouldn't be the case. But that's just kind of the way it goes when you have so many schools uh, in that, that concentrated area and then, you know, a little more sparse as you fan out. Did you notice the media guy just defended the media? No, 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 no. I just it's not nothing. It's better or worse. It kind of is what it is. And 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 now it's to the point where it was what it was. You like that? Uh, yeah, we that's a point outable point. It is what it is. It was <laughs> what it was. Deep. Yeah. All right, Tim. You were what you were, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> I guess. Our Seminoles dot com insider Tim Linnefelt. I don't know how to move that forward. Well, but we'll it, do it, what we no. do right after this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. We are back to do what we do. How are you, KJ? Done what we done. Yeah, we done. We done. We done done what we done. Yeah. Let's continue that conversation. I let's be fair to Tim. He is right. No question. And, and this has long been a problem, though, with the ACC media teams, not just with basketball. I can remember in the nineties. Uh, I think Chuck Amato got my ear one time about it because Florida State was dominating the ACC, and yes, they had plenty of guys in the All ACC team, but in reality, they probably could have had. 20 out of 22 guys on the all ACC first team back in some of those years. So the point is, uh, if you take 60 media members that are covering the ACC full time, 45 of them are in the state of North Carolina. So they're covering the four Carolina schools and it's human nature. You vote for what you see and what you know. So that's, that's where the bias of the disparity comes in. So from that standpoint, Tim's right. But I also do like the fact that we're going to try to come up with a more equitable solution here. Well, part of the answer to the solution I kind of got involved in because I recruited you to join Ask Me, and I recruited a couple of other people, Tim Linnefelt to be one, uh, because when I started doing basketball and started seeing it, I joined the, the association, which allowed me to have the privilege to vote. And I was almost the lone Florida voter obviously before Miami joined the conference and and I felt like we needed some more numbers so we started doing it and 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 Tim's point your point everyone's point is exactly right the 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 media it's very members point outable it's pointable yeah pointable not point outable I got an email a text we have to correct it it's pointable if you believe that anyway it's changing I'll point that out well here's the thing though and I and I there, I voted years ago, and I went a long period and didn't vote. Uh, the ACC media is going to do a vote this year for for what it's worth, and I will vote in that. I voted in football. But I don't like voting because it's not what I do full time. Like, I've seen Florida State play every game. I haven't watched many conference games outside of who FSU's playing. It's just the reality of my – and so what happens is every school in the conference sends you a three-page PDF on their all-conference candidates and how he averaged – 19.6 points on Tuesdays coming off a loss and was shooting 87% from the free throw line in the last two minutes. 
And you end up looking at who has the best PDF and saying, you know, this one's a little glossier, so I'm going to vote for this Georgia Tech guy instead of this Wake Forest guy, which is not a very good way to vote either. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. So disappointing. Well, you at least travel the league and see every minute of every game, but how many how many ACC basketball games outside of FSU do you watch start to finish on a regular basis? Start to finish, very few. But, right. But I, I do, right. because, and because of my voting responsibility, I do try to catch highlights. I do try to read things. Uh, if I can't see video, I, I do go into the ACC press release one or once or twice a week, and I look at you know who's leading in scoring, who's leading in rebounding, who's the best freshman, right? Those types of things. But uh, pardon me, but your but your point's well made. However, unless and until you can get the coaches to do it consistently, and not for them to slough it off on their SID folk, uh, I don't know how better to do it. Yeah, well, and that's what they have this year. They have the coaches involved with, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty fair way to do four. I would suggest that having the coaches, you know, a lot of times you see it, they'll have the coaches, the head coaches vote, but you can't vote for somebody on your own team. I think you could expand it and take the head coaches and the assistant coaches, same rule, don't vote for your own team, because those are people that are watching the tape, that are doing the scout, that know who's in the, that know what the NBA guys think. Well, not only that, they're watching tape of the team they're playing, but their team that they're playing is is tape of other games right that have right. the other teams in it. So they probably had discussion about this and they settled on a coach vote, a radio guy vote, so that they they gave media some some and then two media members. I think it will be better. Yeah. It, it is interesting though because we're we're uh, as long as we're talking conference here, Keith, we're about to go to the ACC tournament in New York City, which for a diehard Carolina Blue Tobacco Road basketball fan is just nails on a chalkboard. It's they the last thing they ever like want to. For Jim Beheim, who's quite happy that he can go somewhere besides the Denny's in Greensboro or whatever restaurant it was he referenced, he's ecstatic. And I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic going forward because you, you're always going to have the original ACC schools, basically the four in Carolina and Virginia, who I think are always going to be in favor of having it there. I don't know that Clemson, even though geographically they're close, I don't know that they're in favor. Maybe Because they, they recognize the, the, the disparity of playing in a game. When you're playing, you're playing Wake on a Thursday, but two thirds of the arena is full of Carolina people that are going to cheer for Wake, even though they don't affiliate with Wake. Not only that, but when you're Clemson or Florida State or any of the other teams, you have to get on a plane and travel and stay in a hotel and be disrupted from your normal life compared to what Duke and Carolina have done for years and years and years, which is basically get on a bus for an hour. And there you are. So you don't have. So I like the fact that it levels the playing field. But but where the disparity comes in is that now that you have all these schools outside the ACC, first of all, the Big East contingent loves New York. Uh, so you got Notre Dame, BC, Syracuse, Pitt, Miami. They're all a hundred percent on board with New York because they've been there, done that. Then you take the the ACC, the other ACC schools who aren't uh, the ones we just mentioned, like a Florida State. Georgia Tech. I mean, you, you're Clemson. F- FSU fans are listening, folks. I know you can drive to Greensboro, but would you rather have the tournament in New York or in North Carolina? I think the consensus is going to be New York. Georgia Tech fans, they're probably going to prefer that. I think Clemson and Virginia Tech. So it's going to be interesting to see. Now I, they're never going to go to all New York, and I'm pretty sure that I've heard through the grapevine that they could have had Madison Square Garden. Well, the ultimate is, goal is to get in, in Madison Square and, Garden, and Madison Square Garden has been there for the taking. Uh, according to my sources, if they would sign a eight or ten year deal, and they won't do that, but that would have completely fractured the league. So they took two years, and here they are in Brooklyn. And after this, it probably goes back to to Charlotte or to to Carolina somewhere. I'm willing to live with, uh, you know, three or four years New York, three or four years in Carolina, but uh, or, or one other destination. I don't necessarily know that it needs to hop from D.C. to Carolina to Atlanta to New York. Well, and I that, remember it's been in Tampa. Uh, so there's there's been an effort, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I think the the thing that I really liked, and, and I think it speaks more to because uh, of my football mentality. Gene Deckerhoff's calling. Do you need to take that? No. Okay. But it, Gene, he'll call you back. But anyway, it it speaks to um, you know familiarity. What, what whatever is done, I think going two or three or four years at a continuous location. Like they've done uh, with the with the uh, uh, ACC championship game in football, you know, they had it in in Jacksonville for three or four or five years, and then Charlotte, and now subject to the uh, whims of politics, which we won't get into on this show. 
Uh, I, I think I think two years doesn't develop enough of a you know I'd like to see it four or five at at a place and then rotate, but that's just a personal preference. Yeah, but it's it's going to be interesting dialogue and interesting to see. I do love the fact that they they grabbed the old Big East window, even though I haven't acknowledged it on this show because I keep having the days screwed up. So they're playing the championship game on Saturday night Saturday instead of night. Sunday. I think that makes a lot more sense because you you get a bigger TV audience. You're not sort of lost in the shuffle of uh, Selection Sunday doing it that way. So I do like that. I'm very interested to see. One other thing, as long as we're talking ACC, uh, FSU had its Board of Trustees meeting today. And, uh, Keep dropping that, don't you? Stan Wilcox. It's uh, a meeting, of course, you attend, right? I, I, I do. That's only the second time I've made it a point-outable item in this show. Pointable? Yes. Uh, Stan was asked about ACC network revenues, and, and it's all projections, but – the big picture answer to this, and I've seen this because we're getting to silly season. Silly season is after recruiting, before September when the games start, where people freak out about everything. I mean, this this was the season where people thought it would be a good idea several years ago for FSU to be in the Big 12. How would that look right about now? Whew. So anyway, the SEC and the Big 10 have released their television revenues, uh, I think the SEC most recently, and it's significantly more than what the ACC is right now. So there is a few-year gap because the SEC has its network already. But the bottom line is, even though the ACC doesn't really go on record with it, when the ACC network's up and running, the projections are that it's going to be the exact same revenue for the ACC schools for the ACC network as it is for the SEC schools for the SEC network. So I'm not saying that the revenue gap doesn't exist right now. It does, but it's going to be fixed. Two things to look at that. Number one, what, what you're also saying is by the year 2019 or 2020, whenever those yearly revenues match up, you go back and compute the numbers in reverse. A typical ACC school will only have been $25, 30000000 dollars behind the typical SEC school over that 10-year period of time when everything is said and done. The other thing that's interesting about the ACC, much like when you and I were at the kickoff meeting, Last year, and all of a sudden, there's ESPN, and all of a sudden, there's the announcement. The ACC doesn't leak anything. And as a result of that, they're very conservative. And and I'll just remind you, there was a time two or three years ago when Florida State was worried about, you know, balancing their budget on the athletic side, matching up their projected rev their expenses, which had been based on a projected revenue, and and and, it, and they weren't crossing. There looked like there was going to be a little of a deficit, at least for a year. And where are we going to go to get it? And and quote unquote unannounced, a significant check shows up from the ACC payable to Florida State, because the ACC had underestimated bowl money, how much they give to schools that travel to the bowl, how much they keep, what the shares and pro rata parts are, and literally FSU got a check they weren't expecting which more than balanced that budget and went significantly towards next year's budget. That's just the conservative nature of the ACC. Well, it's the airtight nature of the ninja John Swafford, which we've talked about. I mean, nobody knew that uh, Syracuse was coming in. Nobody knew these moves were being made. Uh, The network was speculated about for a while, but still even that was a surprise when it was was made official. I am again. I'm acknowledging that there's a revenue disparity there right now, but it is it is getting ironed out with that with that network and it's when not it comes. Chicken little, the sky is falling. Hundreds of millions of dollars of discrepancy. As we've stated, it couldn't have aligned better with the ACC actually rising to prominence in football. If they can do it one more year right now, as as ESPN's trying to get distribution for this network, well, that we're, will help. we're willing to volunteer. Florida State faithful, we're willing to volunteer. We'll 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 take the bullet. We'll do our part. We'll win the national championship this year if you'll let us. All right. We uh, need to take a break because that's what we do. We do what pay we do. Bills. Pay bills. Speaking of money, pay bills. We've done what we've done. We do what we do. That's a point-outable fact. It is what it is. We're coming back after this. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
Back on the front row, if you've checked the calendar, uh, or if you're a football aficionado, you may be well aware that the NFL Combine is rapidly approaching. We've got an expert to join us uh, right now, and uh, always pleased to bring back an old friend, old colleague of uh, Keith and I, and that is uh, Charles Davis from NFL Network and Fox. Charles, how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk with you guys again. It's really good to hear your voices. And uh, you let me know when that expert joins in because we'll make sure we make some space for him. <laughs> you got some questions for him? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I got I got a few questions. <laughs> well, I, I imagine this is the time. I, I can only guess that the binder uh, on your desk at your home office is like nine inches thick of material <laughs> on all the guys going to the NFL Combine. And we won't test you about all of them. We're only going to talk about Thank the, the, the Garnet and Gold type. But uh no, we wanted to get your insight a little bit. I know next week you'll be really busy. Uh, you'll be in Indianapolis, obviously, and uh, uh, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. But uh, at the Florida State side of the things, obviously Dalvin Cook's at the top of the list and had yeah. a great career. And uh, what do you think he needs to do and show at the Combine? What What are you hearing? What are you projecting right now for, for Dalvin? Well, just be him. Just be himself because I think it's going to come down to a debate you know, we have a ton of runners in this draft. The, the running back renaissance, as I like to call it, it's real. And you guys have seen it. College football, where it's kind of back, where the runner is an integral part of the game. Even though we're still playing it around a lot, the teams that win championships have that runner that can really stabilize things. So the way the NFL plays, yeah, you have to run it. But, boy, if you can catch it as well, that is a huge deal. And they will mix and match their their offensive talents to get it done. Atlanta goes to a Super Bowl with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, both of them dual threat guys. New England wins the Super Bowl with a, a, a blunt object, no pun, or I should say all pun intended, with LeGarrette Blunt being that big inside pounder. But then James White comes out of nowhere to become a space player in the Super Bowl. If it wasn't for a guy named Tom Brady, he's the MVP. Everyone's doing it all those ways. Well, Dalvin Cook does all of that for you in one package. So that's a big deal to me, and I think it's a big deal to the scouts and everyone else. Look, you know his talent. You know his athletic ability. I think all he has to do is just go and be himself, and he's going to be right there. And it's going to be a debate for some teams between him and Leonard Fournette. But in a lot of teams, that I should say a lot, a few teams that I talk with, they look at Dalvin Cook and say, he's how we play running back in the NFL nowadays. Fournette looks like he can do a number of other things, but LSU never really asked him to do that. Florida State did with Dalvin Cook. So where do you have him going? I don't know, Keith. I'll be frank with you. I haven't really sat down and done a mock, which is hard to believe. I haven't done that yet this year. But think of it this way. You saw how Atlanta utilized their running backs. He's that guy. So whatever team you're looking at, you know, early in the draft, top 15, somewhere in that neighborhood, yes, we're talking about running backs in the top 15. He's going to be that guy that's going to be a real, real big deal. Some people are going to opt for Frenette, and it's understandable as to why. But some teams are going to secretly go, oh, wow, they took Fournette and be really happy because Cook is sitting there. All of us that uh, cover Florida State really, I think, consistently think that DeMarcus Walker did himself a good job of coming back. What's your assessment yeah. of what, what uh, Walker has in, in front of him? Agreed. Absolutely agreed with that. You know, you hold your breath for these kids when they do come back so they can get through it without any you know major in- injuries, and he was able to pull that off. I think what people like about him, guys, is that he plays really hard. You know, I'm, I'm watching him. You know, I'm watching the Michigan game, sitting in a hotel room, watching the Michigan you know, bowl game, and this guy just keeps showing up. Not that it was unexpected, but bowl games are also a time that I know scouts look at kids and want to see if they turn their motor down to try and protect themselves before the draft. I don't think that they saw that at all with him, and I think that I think that that goes in the plus category for him. You know, the, the kid at Tennessee, Derek Barnett. I think he and I think, I think those two have some similarities in terms of body type, game, the way they play, how hard they play, and that's going to be interesting to see where they ultimately end up going. I think they're both going to have their champions to go in the first round, first two rounds of the draft. I don't want to sidetrack us too far here, but you mentioned him showing up to play in his bowl game. Obviously, there was a lot of attention paid to guys who didn't play in their bowl games right. this year. 
Do you think that's going to become more of a norm? Because if you extrapolate that out, I mean, if a guy's got enough tape, he can decide that halfway through his third year, you know what? I, I don't think I need to play the month of November. Yeah, I think it's going to be one time that we're going to have to watch, and I think the next three years will give us our blueprint on it because it may tip to where no one wants to deal with with, with the scrutiny that comes with it because it's a hard decision to tell your teammate that you're not going to ride the whole ride with them. You know, it's one of those things that on the surface, I think they understand it. But come showtime, there's often that look back like, huh, he didn't want to finish with us. And I don't know that everybody wants to be able to ride that, ride that all the way out because it does change things. It's just a fundamental shift, whether it's fair or not. We've all been raised to finish the race with our, with our guys. And when that doesn't happen, we may get it, we may understand it, we may respect it, but it doesn't mean we're going to like it. And that changes how you go forward the rest of your life with your guys. I mean, let's face it, we've all had our lifelong friends, teammates, comrades, and there's some of them that you look at a little bit differently by certain actions along the way. And I think that's going to be the test for these guys because they're probably making the right decision monetarily, but I don't know if their heart and how they go forward and they come back for reunion, if ultimately they might call it worth it. So we'll see. CD, what's what's the overarching? Uh, Jimbo's going into a uh, seventh, eighth year as a head coach. What's the overarching uh, reaction from NFL people about Jimbo's kids that have gotten through the draft and gotten into the NFL? How is Florida State viewed these days? Viewed very well, very positively. You get kids that that know how to play the game that know how to practice as much as people think that there's not a lot of that going on. There's a lot more teaching going on than you would think. And in fact, you have NFL teams that are chomping at the bit to be able to do more. The collective bargaining agreement has taken a lot of that away and it drives them crazy because the kids, they can't really touch them from the end of the season until really OTAs. And that used to be, prime time for guys to get better to get coached in the off season you just can't get that excuse me so thus you've got the the rise of position gurus now remember when it was only quarterback gurus guys <laughs> hey you got a quarterback guru not anymore i mean you know my 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 old tennessee volunteer you know colleague and alum chuck smith has a pass rushing school in atlanta and does a tremendous job with that jeremy lincoln who played in the nfl with the bears and and played really well. Another Tennessee guy, he tutors defensive backs. You see where I'm going? CCD, if we'd, have, if we'd have had a defensive back guru, you and I would have had 10-year NFL careers. Listen, Keith, you, you would have had that. I would have needed a defensive back guru and somebody else's leg. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and hey. I might have had a chance. Just a minute or so left here, Charles, with you. Uh, one of the more interesting guys coming out from Florida State is Kermit Whitfield, who who had a nice career at FSU. But, uh, you know, I'm curious, mainly because he's he's got a chance to break the combine record in the 40. I mean, what? and he's from right. down in your neck of the woods. What do you expect out of him? Does he have a chance? He does. He does, because anyone who can run like that has got a chance in that league. Think of all the guys who have broken kind of the combine speed record in recent years and take Chris Johnson out of it, who was a front-line guy. But those guys who run really well, they end up getting multiple chances in the league, and those who have creativity with them find ways to utilize them. I mean, Tyreek Hill, last year, we know about his off-field issues. Oklahoma State ended up at you know the, the, the small college, I think West Alabama. Kansas City figured it out with him, didn't they? That's the type of thing you're going to have to find out. My only concern with him is, like the Anthony Thomas at Oregon, sometimes the reputation for the speed is bigger than the production. And the Anthony Thomas still hasn't figured that part out in Kansas City. And in fact, Tyreek Hill ate up all of his specialty plays this year. So I don't know what's going to happen with him. But he'll get a chance. I mean, start with the return game and then work from there. Charles, uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut the conversation here because we could pick your brain for a while, and I know you do a lot of these shows uh, nationally. We've enjoyed uh, watching your career uh, continue to develop and unfold. Uh, just, uh, I hope you speak highly of us. You know, when you get asked about us, I'm sure that comes up frequently. Just, in your conversation. just remember us in public. That's what we yeah, tell that's people. All we're hoping for here, Charles. That's ne- that's never a problem because you're asking about your FSU guys. Look, everybody loves them and the whole deal. Remember last year at the draft, 
I had to sit up at the table with all my colleagues. And heck, a kid from Germany who never even played college football got picked, and no one from Tennessee went. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow! I sat there and took all that abuse last year. I mean, some kid from some kid from Australia who had played, he he got picked. He's at Georgia Tech, and all of a sudden I was getting texts and tweets, and Australia won, Tennessee nothing, Germany won, Tennessee nothing. I mean, Mars Hill, I think a kid went. You know, I mean, the whole deal. So. Believe me, I think highly of FSU. I just hope that this year my volunteers can get a guy picked early and get that monkey off my back. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, guys. Great to talk with you. You too, CD. Likewise. Quick reminder, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. It was what it was, KJ. Another edition of The Front Row in the book. That's a point-outable and pointable fact. We will do this uh, next Wednesday. We do this each and every Wednesday. Remind you to subscribe uh, to the podcast via iTunes or uh, navigate to the ESPN Tallahassee website. Find it in the audio vault. KJ Safe travels to Clemson. I'm sure that uh, they're still in football euphoria as they should. Although on a, on a somber note, and some of you may have seen this story, they lost a member of their advancement team, uh, fundraising team this week. A really sad story. A year old individual. I, I don't know details, but in all seriousness, condolences to the Clemson family when you're up there. Cause I, that, I, happen, that is, I happen to talk to one of my contacts up there uh, in anticipation of getting up there uh, over the weekend, and, and they, a very sad situation. The gentleman had lost his wife uh, a, a while previous and was getting his life back together. Two grown daughters, but grown. Uh, but, yeah, a very important member of the Clemson family. They're going to be missed. Yeah, so thoughts and prayers there uh, for Clemson. Uh, thoughts and prayers with the FSU team that they show up on the road this week and do it again on Tuesday because when we meet again, we'll have both those road games to discuss. I just hope I get invited to the new facility for football because I want to run down the hill. I've never run down the hill. We take some pictures and and put them on your social. I don't no, have one. Yeah, that's right. All right, we'll do the front row again next week. See you then, folks. 